working. Good. All right. Let me pray, and we'll read the scripture, and we'll get started here. Lord, I just thank you for the peace that you give us, the peace that is present in this dark world. I thank you for the way that your light shines when we need it most, and for just the truth of how you have acted and continue to act in real human history. And so, Lord, we just ask that we would be a community that participates in what you are doing in the earth. Lord, thank you for the good things that you have done and continue to do in this community. Lord, I ask that you would build us up, encourage us, help us to love you, to love each other, and to love our neighbors. Help us to follow the example of these heroes of the faith that we read about in the scriptures, and help us be encouraged as we experience your peace in a world at war. And we just ask for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, as I said before, this week's word is peace. And uh, the, the scripture that goes along with the peace passage is the scripture of Mary and Elizabeth. But I wanted to kind of keep going and read on just because I feel like when we only hear about Mary and Elizabeth uh, or only hear about the Annunciation of the, of the Angel, we kind of miss the whole story. And I just think that, um, I don't know, I, I was encouraged and, and uh, thought it was really rather humorous that uh, our friend Tim Stagger posted up on the internet somewhere an article that was talking about the five worst Christmas songs uh, from a theological standpoint or from like a musical standpoint. And he had like a couple of those really cringeworthy ones that it's like, yeah, that, I just, that one just hurts my ears. Um, but I was really proud to see that Mary Did You Know got some real shade. Uh, and I just thought that this, uh, this tweet, though, I thought more succinctly summed up the problem with Mary Did You Know. And it's like, really, Mary Did You Know is the most mansplaining Christmas carol ever. Like, it mansplains the, the virgin birth to the mother of God. Like, you know, and, and I don't know if you can read the comment below, but it says, you know, it's like Mary's saying in response, you know, Thanks for the info, suburban carolers, but the angel Gabriel himself told me more than two millennia ago, so, you know, I'm good, you know, I, I kind of know what's going on. And so uh, that's kind of uh, maybe a good kickoff to where we pick this, uh, pick this story up in the scriptures. Uh, and it starts here in verse 26. Now, in the six months of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. Now, just to back up and give a little bit of context, of course, Elizabeth um, is the wife of Zechariah, who is a high priest, and uh, they are the parents of John the Baptist. And so it's uh, very reminiscent of Abraham and Sarah being old and, and not being able to conceive. God blesses Elizabeth with a child in her very old age, and this comes with a message from the same angel, Gabriel, uh, who says that, uh, that John will be a prophet and he will prepare the way for the coming Messiah, that he will announce um, that this king that, that Israel has been hoping for that would free them from the oppression of the Roman governor and, and, and to restore the kingdom of God to Israel, uh, that, this, that John will be the forerunner. He will be, um, if you will, Elijah, come back to, um, to, to prepare the way for the Messiah. And so uh, it's in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy uh, with John after this prophetic announcement uh, that we pick up the story. God sent an angel to Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name 
was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And then Mary, uh, having, you know, the guts to, to speak up and say, well, hold on a minute. You know, how, how will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? You know, kind of wondering, well, hey, wait a second here. You know, I'm pledged to be married. I'm not, this, that's not the order these things go in, especially uh, for, you know, good, devout Jews. Uh, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. The Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And then... Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. And then I think Mary's response is super powerful here. And when this is proposed to her, when she's sort of, this is put before her, what, what, what her response is, is she says yes to God. She says a, a courageous and brave yes to God. She says, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And you can't really tell, is, is Elizabeth talking about herself or Mary with that statement? Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has lifted the hungry with good things and filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. And Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. And I have to say that I think that this picture of Mary that's become somewhat popular appeared in a Washington Post article a couple years ago. I think really more uh, just, just taps into how punk rock Mary is, right? I mean, you know, just like... Cast down the mighty, send the rich away, fill the hungry, and lift the lowly. Like, Mary is a woman who cares about justice. She is subversive. And her job in being the mother of God, in being the mother of the incarnate Son of God, of taking care of Jesus and making sure that Jesus survives, is no small task. It's no 
you know, passive act. It's not a thing that we should put on a Christmas card and think, oh, how peaceful and easy. Uh, Mary has a big job before her, and Mary is brave to take this on and to take it on in the environment and the time that she lived to, to bear uh, the consequences of God acting so powerfully and strangely in her life in such a personal and intimate way that disrupts everything that happens to her afterwards and all the suffering that she endures because of it. And I think from this we start to understand that peacemaking in the kingdom of God, that the the acts of working for peace and seeking the peace of God are not, that, that activity is not an avoidance of conflict or difficulty. And I think that we really see this when we consider everything that Mary went through. I mean, her relationship with Joseph was so strained by God acting in her life that it took an angelic visitation to save that relationship, right? And then the, the great irony is that, you know, after, after all the magi come and, and bow to her baby kid in this, you know, manger situation, which is, you know, they're in a barn where animals poop, right? So, like, that, that didn't really make it into the kids' pageant last week because um, we just would have giggled the whole time and... Maybe that'll be cute. Maybe we'll talk about that next year. But, but, but just that this, this, this upside-down kingdom is so counterintuitive to the way that power works in the world. It is not worldly power. It is the power of God that is essentially compassionate. It is essentially vulnerable. It is essentially incarnate into the weakness and fragility of the human experience. And so after the Magi come to visit, the, the fallout from that is that the insecure king of Israel, this Herod, who's you know, clearly not comfortable with the power that he's been given, that's not enough for him. He has to uh, use his power and abuse his power and become just like Pharaoh in the story of Exodus. And so the great irony is that the, king of, the real king of the Jews, the Messiah king, this, this king that all Israel had hoped would come and would deliver Israel from their oppressors is actually more safe in the country that is historically known for oppressing the Jews than in his own country. That if you will, the, the, the puppet king of Israel, this imposter king, this King Herod, becomes like Pharaoh in killing the, the innocent children uh, so that he can squash out this rebel Jesus. And, and the Messiah is actually safer in Egypt than he is in the promised land. And Mary is given this job, her, her acceptance of God's peace, her, her consequence, her reward for being the instrument that brings the, the Prince of Peace into the world is she is tasked with keeping this kid alive through uh, this crazy imposter who claims to love God and claims to be the king of the people of God while he himself is no better than Pharaoh and who, you know, Israel, all Israel would know uh, was, was overcome when, when the Passover happened. And so this is another depiction of Mary. The, the scene is, uh, that, that French phrase is the scene of the massacre of the innocents uh, by a, a French artist in 1824. And I don't know that we always grasp 
just how vulnerable and how difficult life for Mary was because she allowed the Prince of Peace in to her life. Of course, the reason for all this is that this kingdom of God is now and not yet, right? The kingdom of God shines like a light in the darkness. The darkness does not overcome in this present evil age. The, the future is breaking in, and that peace, that, that rich concept of shalom, that, that holistic well-being, you know, shalom, peace, the, you know, the Jewish definition of peace or understanding peace is not just the absence of violence or the absence of war, though it is definitely that, but it is this, this sense of all-encompassing, holistic well-being. It's like uh, enjoying a, a feast at Thanksgiving. It's like sitting around a Christmas tree with presents and family and, and, and wholeness and, 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 and abundance and, and the joy of living in a good world created by a good God for his good pleasure. But the shalom that Jesus comes to bring isn't a shalom that comes on the backs of, uh, of soldiers or of slaves or of some violent means of imposing empire uh, in the world and, and, and the dominion that happens through men who exercise violence. The kingdom of God comes through this baby born to nobodies in the middle of nowhere, alone and in obscurity, fleeing from the persecution of unjust rulers. And yeah, there are angels that visit. And yeah, there are, uh, you know, astrological traffic is happening and directing uh, these magi to come and visit. And yeah, later Jesus heals people and raises the dead and all these things, but it all ends up heading towards the cross and this confounding now not yet experience of the kingdom of God breaking into our present darkness. I think the word of hope for us is both that we can experience part of it now, but that we hope in a kingdom to come, that we hope that there will be a time when peace does reign on the earth. I, I think the words that, that, that hymn that we sang, the, the you know, bells on Christmas Day, that hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth and goodwill towards men, but the bells ring deeper still, and, and God is not dead. He doesn't sleep. And the, the, the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ is both one that we experience in our present reality and one that we hope for. And both are good news. And I think that we find deep and meaningful encouragement when we really understand all that happens in this story, all that happens in Mary's brave choice to allow God to be at work in her life and to accept the peace that comes from God so that others are able to experience his goodness and his love. I think that uh, when the peace of God comes, it's often in times when we need it most. I think of one experience I had. It was actually during the birth of our first son. Our, our second son had some complications after his birth, and we experienced a lot of gratitude when those were over. Um, and Kara kind of talked about that a, a little while ago, or, or maybe I talked about it around Thanksgiving, but uh, when our oldest was born, um, 
there were some complications. And without getting too graphic, basically he came out blue and not breathing. And there was a moment when he opened his eyes, though, before he was breathing, and the you know healthcare people were you know just working feverishly to try and wake him up to get him to breathe, and and. and Something came over both me and Kara, and we just began to pray. We began to pray prayers like, and it was almost like, I don't know, something took over. I wouldn't say we were possessed. You know, I was definitely in control of my faculties, but it was like the Spirit of God just came over me, and we just began to pray like breath of life come into him now. You know, fill him with your spirit, Lord. Fill this, fill this child with your breath. Breathe the breath of life into him. And then he began to breathe, and, and what should have been a terrifying moment, what, when I think about it after the fact, I think, man, that, that was actually really dicey. That was really scary. And when I talked to the health care people, they were saying things like, yeah, that's actually maybe one of the scariest births I've ever been a part of. Um, but we didn't feel scared. It was, it was bizarre. It was uh, supernatural, I think. It's often in the pain and the panic and the neediness, the need to be saved, the need to be delivered and rescued, that the Spirit of God comes into our lives to comfort us, to encourage us, to, to empower us, to survive, to overcome, and to embrace God's will when we don't believe we can do it when we think it's just too difficult and it's just too hard. And so I just think that if any of us are feeling discouraged, if any of us are feeling lonely, hopeless, or full of despair, full of doubt, insecurity about, I don't know, political things or things going on in our personal lives, our marriage, our our relationship with our kids, our living situation, whatever, then this gospel is for us. This gospel is for people who experience that insecurity. This God is for people who experience that vulnerability, who experience the pain of this present evil age. And his word to us is peace. His word to us is shalom. His word of encouragement to us is to receive this gift that comes at a high cost. And that the love of God is for those who need it and not those who pretend that they don't. If you will... True well-being comes from, from doing the will of God. True well-being um, comes, and I have to send a text because we're going to bring the kids down for this part. Sorry. True well-being comes from this heart of hearing the voice of the Lord and welcoming his will and his power at work in our lives. That 
when we follow the way of Jesus, when we hear his call to discipleship, when we are invited to walk in this way, this way of vulnerability, this way of faith, this way of hope, this way of radical peace, of a, of a, of a radical commitment to nonviolent means of achieving what we believe God has called us to do, not using force, but being forceful in our application of love and being forceful in our hope and yearning for justice of really embracing the weakness of our humanity and our need and relying on God to save us and come through when we have nothing to offer. That's where the peace of God comes and that's where the peace of God is found. And so, um, here in a minute, kids are going to come down, and I forgot to remind everyone, um, maybe I could actually ask a volunteer to maybe start passing some of those candles around. But instead of the, um, instead of the examine this week, I want us to, to just participate in a thing that, you know, you might do or might have done growing up and, and at Christmas time, and that's we're going to light some candles and we're going to share the light of Jesus. I've got one. I'm good. I'll take another one, sure. Um, with each other, as we practice getting ready to share the light of Jesus with the world. Of course, the, uh, the middle candle here represents the source of light for all these other things that we talk about, faith and hope and love and joy. What we think is that all these things come from Jesus. And uh, as we experience his love, it's natural to want to share that, to want to share that with each other and to want to share that with the world. And so, uh, just so nobody has to work, we're going to play, play a little music here and sing along to Silent Night. As we do this, I want us to meditate on the meaning of this symbol of sharing the light and allowing the light to shine in the darkness and encourage us with hope and love.
Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are present. God, we thank you that this fragile light is not overcome by darkness. Lord, we ask that you would sustain us, that you would encourage us, that we would experience the peace that only comes from knowing you and loving you and obeying you. God, help us to share what we've received from you, the warmth and the light, with each other and with those who need it most in our community. Fill us now with your spirit, God, and empower us to be bold, to believe, and to hope. We ask for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, don't think too much about the symbol of blowing the candle out. We don't want to burn the building down. So now the kids are going to go upstairs and finish decorating some cookies while the grown-ups do ministry time and stuff. Wax happens.